Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Hello there. Welcome to the program. My name is Gary Zimek. Why don't you come on in and make yourself at home? We got a special event happening today on the show. Today we're going to look at the Mass readings for the Feast of the Transfiguration. This is a special feast, and the Church gives us special readings on this day, even though this is a Sunday. So we're going to break into ordinary time in order to celebrate this special feast of the Transfiguration. And I really am excited about looking at the Mass readings for this feast, because I think it the whole, the whole idea of the Transfiguration is is one that I think is very relatable, very important. We're going to look at what it is as we read the gospel. Then we'll look at the readings that the church church specifically chose to supplement the gospel. So when you have a feast like this, these the first reading, the responsorial psalm, the second reading, they are chosen specifically to fit in and support the gospel. Not always the case with ordinary time. You got your first reading and your responsorial psalm, which are chosen specifically, but then what? The second reading just normally proceeds sequentially. That doesn't apply when you have a feast or a solemnity. We've got specially selected readings so that the church the church wants us to be taken to a particular place in our hearts when we hear these readings. So we're going to talk all about it, what it means to us, and why it is such a special day. But before we go any further, why don't we do this? Why don't we turn to our Father in heaven, and we're going to say, we're going to pray right now. I'm going to lead. I'm going to just ask you to sit back and just pray along with me as we have the incredible privilege privilege to speak to our Father in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this incredible privilege and honor of being able to be in your presence and address you. Father, thank you for creating us. Thank you for adopting us as your sons and your daughters. Father, thank you for sending Jesus into the world to redeem us and to make sure that the gates of heaven were once again opened up for us. Thank you, Father, for sending your Holy Spirit to inspire the writers of sacred scripture so that as we will today when we open up the Bible and hear your written word proclaimed, we can be confident because it happened under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we can be confident that you are speaking directly to us. So we look forward to that, Father. 
I ask you today to bless us all, to keep us safe from any dangers, whether they be material dangers or spiritual dangers. We pray that one day we can live with you forever in heaven, Father. We pray that we can come to know you better through the efforts of your Son, Jesus, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that uh, that you will send your Spirit, Father, upon me today so that, so that I can deliver the message that you have for us this day. And also, please open up your, our hearts and our minds so that we can not only hear the message, but also be willing to put it into practice. Father, I ask these things in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, thank you so much for praying with me again. My name is Gary Zimak, and if you want to find out more about the work that I do, if you want to find out about my books, or want to sign up for my daily email reflection, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, you can do that by going to followingthetruth.com. I want to remind you of one other thing. I just earlier today booked another Lenten parish mission. So my Lenten schedule for 2024 is beginning to fill up. Last year, I uh, I ended up doing seven parish missions and I had to turn some down too. So if you would like to bring me in, specifically what I'm best known for is my give up worry for Lent parish mission. If you're interested in bringing me into your area, your parish, your conference, whatever it may be, please contact me as soon as possible through my website, followingthetruth.com, or you can just send an email to Gary at followingthetruth.com as well. Whatever works for you would be great. Um, Again, followingthetruth.com is the website to find out more about my work. Okay, I, I mentioned at the start of the program, this is a special day. It is the Feast of the Transfiguration, a big day, so big that it interrupts, even though this is, we're going to be looking at Sunday Mass readings here. This feast is so important that the church has decided it's going to supersede the normal Sunday Mass readings for ordinary time. And so let's look at it. The Gospel today really tells us what the transfiguration is. Let me just read it, and then we'll talk more about it. Now, if you're new to the program, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Just to let you know, I always lead off with the gospel. The church teaches that the gospel has a place of prominence. Even though all sacred scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's all God's word, the gospels have a special place because it's through the gospels that we learn about the life of Jesus Christ and literally hear his words. So the the best way in scripture to get to know Jesus is to start with the gospel. So we're going to do that. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Now, just a little aside here, Peter, James, and John, they are three of the apostles. They are what I would call the inner circle. These guys were utilized by Jesus when he had a special something to show to his uh, to his apostles. So in other words, they were his main core of apostles, Peter, James, and John. So they're privileged. They are going up on a high mountain by themselves with Jesus. You know, probably when you think about it, they probably had some idea. I mean, we realize that the apostles missed the point more often than not, but they probably knew that something special was about to happen. So Jesus took them up the mountain and he was transfigured before them. What does that mean? His face shone like the sun. 
Matthew writes, and his clothes became white as light. So, so really what's happening is we see Jesus giving his inner circle of apostles a glimpse of his heavenly glory. This is what his glorified body is going to look like. The reason he's doing this is because just prior to this, Jesus told his apostles that anyone who wishes to be my disciple, wants to be my follower, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. Now, at the end of this, when they're coming back down from the mountain, Jesus is going to remind them, and we're not going to see it, we're going to see like a little bit of this in the reading in the gospel today, but not the whole message. He's going to tell his followers, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be killed and rise again from the dead. So two pieces of tough information that he had to relay to his, his apostles. Remember, they didn't understand what it means to be a Christian as much as we do when we look back. So, um, we got to be. We got to remember that they weren't aware of this. So Jesus had to make sure that they were lifted up in the middle of this. These two pieces of bad information. That's what this transfiguration is doing for them. He's giving them hope. He's giving them a glimpse of the light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, so he be, he's transfigured. He shows them his glorified body, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with them. Now, the, the typical analysis of this, according to the scripture scholars, is Moses represented the law, Elijah represented the prophets. So we have like a meeting of the Old and the New Testaments here. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Good old Peter, and I really like this because I relate to this. This was such a peaceful vision for Peter and it impressed him so much. He was away from the craziness, the 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 verbal persecution, the threats against Jesus. He was privileged to spend time alone with Jesus. He didn't want to leave the mountain. You know, do you ever feel like that? You go into a nice church or you're just praying and you're really in a good place and you don't want to leave. You don't want to get back into the world. You don't want to deal with real world problems. I mean, I think we can all relate to that. Peter wanted to stay. Now check this out. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud came, cast a shadow over them, a bright cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, and I guess who this is, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, obviously that's the father. That's God the father. The cloud has always been identified as the Holy Spirit and Jesus is there. So we see all three persons of the Trinity coming together in this gospel, remember what Jesus is going to tell his apostles as they're going back down the mountain is, guys, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me, but I will rise from the dead. While they're still up on the mountain, what did the father say? This is my beloved son. Listen to him when he tells you about how he's going to be killed. Listen to him. I love him. He's my son. So these guys are really privileged to hear what they're about to hear. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. This was, this must have been a monumental, frightening experience for them. You know, we're reading it from our Bibles or we're hearing it proclaimed to church. We kind of have heard this before. It's not all that frightening to us. But to them, as they're undergoing this, they were scared. 
They were very much afraid. But what happened? Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. Then when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus alone. And I would just say this. If you're feeling afraid right now, allow yourself to take a page out of their book and make it a point to find some quiet time with Jesus. If you can do it before uh, before his real presence in the Blessed Sacrament, if you go to your adoration chapel, or maybe inside of a church, to go to sit in front of the tabernacle, or if the church is locked, park your car, sit outside, right where the tabernacle is. I've done that before. Put yourself in the Lord's real presence. That's ideal. If you can't do that, if you can't get away, maybe you're at work, close your office door, take a walk. If you're in the house, maybe go to a quiet room, just spend time with the Lord. You know, if you're really struggling, if you're really scared, if you're really burdened with problems, and let him speak these words to you, rise and do not be afraid. Just like he spoke to the frightened apostles. You know, I think we all need that at times. And that's why I love this transfiguration experience. Whenever I do a retreat, on the last day, I always use this reading. Or maybe I'm doing a parish mission. I've used it on the final night of the parish mission. Why? Because when we're in church, when we're at a retreat, when we're in the presence of the Lord, everything seems great. Everything seems peaceful. And that's because we are in the real presence of Jesus just as the apostles were. But like them, there's going to come a time when it's time to leave the mountain, to go back down into that mess that they left. We've all been there. And they did go back down the mountain. But they were fortified, enriched by that encounter with Jesus. Seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, that glorified body of Jesus, that glorified body that's been promised to all of us if we if we remain faithful to the end. That's what heaven's going to look like. You know, Peter got a glimpse of heaven. He wanted to stay. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus charged them, do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Jesus was very careful with revealing his mission in stages to certain people. Gradually, he had a plan. And that's why he told these guys. He wanted to strengthen them so that they would be able to endure what was about to happen. Because as soon as they came down for the mountain, Jesus set his sights on Jerusalem. He was going there to die. And they were going to see some stuff that would absolutely rattle their faith. And it did rattle their faith. But eventually, I'm sure, The apostles thought back to this transfiguration experience in their darkest hours. And they remembered that experience. And maybe it helped them get through a day once Jesus died. They were afraid and experiencing all kinds of persecution. You know, we don't really know what their daily lives were like. We just have a general idea. But it couldn't have been easy. But with the strength and the grace given to them by Jesus... And this transfiguration experience no doubt helped them. They were able to endure and continue to carry on the Lord's mission after he died, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. And you and I, that's what we're called to do. So this transfiguration is a very important day for us. It's a reminder that 
everything we're doing right now, all the difficulties we're going through, it's all going to be worth it one day. Keep one eye on heaven and keep the other eye on the things of this world. Don't lose hope. Let's look at the first reading. And again, I think you're going to see how this reading supports the gospel. This is an Old Testament reading, but you know, the Old Testament foreshadows or prophesies what's going to happen in the New Testament. The Old Testament is really all about Jesus. You can find references to Jesus and his coming throughout the Old Testament. The first reading comes from the book of the prophet Daniel, chapter 7, beginning in verse 9. As I watched, thrones were set up, and the Ancient One took his throne. Listen to this. His clothing was bright as snow. Remember that reference to Jesus and his glorified body during the transfiguration? And the hair on his head as white as wool. His throne was flames of fire with wheels of burning fire, A surging stream of fire flowed out from where he sat. Thousands upon thousands were ministering to him, and myriads upon myriads attended him. The court was convened, and his books were open. As the visions during the night continued, I saw, listen to this part, one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the ancient one and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. You know, you look at the life of Jesus on earth, and it's hard to look at him, look at his life, if you didn't know what the church teaches. Look at him as a king, because he certainly didn't look like a king, at least the way we typically think of kings, while he was on the face of the earth. But in heaven, it's going to look a lot different. And that's what Peter, James, and John got a glimpse of on the mountain. This is what Jesus will look like in heaven. This is where he reigns right now in glory. And sometimes, you know, if you're having a bad day, it's a good idea to think about heaven to the extent that we can understand it. I mean, let's be honest, we can't really appreciate what heaven's like. We don't really get it. But when we listen to everything about it, when we look at how Peter reacted to the glimpse of heaven, the glimpse of Jesus and his glorified body, Peter did not want to leave. So it had to be good. You know, and St. Paul in Romans 8.18 tells us the sufferings and the trials of this life are not even worth comparing to the glory that awaits us. So in other words, heaven's going to be so much better than any suffering or or struggles that we can experience in this life. We all need that reminder because you know why? We get tired sometimes. We get tired. We're ready to pack it in and say, that's it. This is just not worth it. This Christian stuff, it's hard. Of course it's hard. But the Lord gives us the grace and he also gives us some of these scriptures that remind us this will be worth it one day. Let's look at the responsorial psalm. Again, that image of Jesus as the king. The Lord is king. Psalm 97. The Lord is king, the most high over all the earth. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many islands be glad. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Justice and judgment are the foundation of his throne. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice. 
all peoples see his glory. Because you, O Lord, are the Most High over all the earth, exalted far above all gods. The Lord is King, the Most High over all the earth. You know, we need scriptures like this. And in this, in this particular psalm, we're reminded the Lord is King, the Most High over all the earth. Well, it was tough for the people 2,000 years ago who saw this carpenter's son. It was hard to see him as a king. It was hard to look at the crucifix and see a king naked, dying, struggling on the cross. It's hard for us to look at an invisible Jesus. You know, the closest we can get right now is to look at an image or to look at the white host. Doesn't look like a king. So we need these scriptures and we need the Holy Spirit working in us to help us to believe that Jesus is a king, that he is in control. You know, you look at TV, you go on the internet, you look around you, certainly doesn't look like he's in control, does it? Looks like the world has gone crazy, but he's still on the throne. And that's why we need a celebration like this. That's why the church really deems this important. The transfiguration, it's so important that this is going to be celebrated on a Sunday so that we can remember that there is a heaven, that Jesus is king, that he reigns from his heavenly throne. And let's look at the second reading now, 2 Peter verse 1, verses 16, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. Again, this second reading was chosen specifically by the church to match up with all the other readings. So let's see how this fits in. Now remember, this is St. Peter writing this. He was one of the guys who was up on the mountain and got to see firsthand what took place during the transfiguration. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. Beloved, Peter writes, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But, listen to what Peter says, we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, we saw his majesty before our own eyes. And then Peter's going to tell a story. You ready for this? For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that unique declaration came to him. That unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Remember that from the gospel? God the Father saying that? Now listen to what Peter says. Peter writes, We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were still with him on the holy mountain. This is an eyewitness account. Isn't that cool? Peter writes, this is not a myth. I was there. I saw this. Moreover, we possess the prophetic message, Peter writes, that is altogether reliable. You will do well to be attentive to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until dawn, day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So Peter is, is essentially saying, and I, I just love the way you get this firsthand testimony. Peter writes that 
we heard. We This is not imaginary. This is not a myth. This is not a fable. I personally heard God the Father say on the mountain, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. You know? And this takes on a whole new meaning. Because Matthew in the gospel, remember he added something else on the end, listen to him. This is God the Father saying, listen to him. And the fact that Peter didn't include that in his writing doesn't mean that that's not accurate. Remember, this is the spirit-inspired word of God. It just means Peter in his writing didn't include the whole message. You know, Peter was human. But God the Father is saying, listen to Jesus. And that opens up a whole new area for us. For, for the, those of us trying to follow God's will, he's saying, this is my son, my beloved son. Listen to him. So we look at everything Jesus said, and God's telling us, listen. And we could even take it to the next level because Jesus founded a church, and his church teaches that he speaks through the church. So now it's like the direct quotes of Jesus and the teachings of the church. God the Father is saying, listen to him. And you know, as Catholics, we believe that the Word of God, when we say the Word of God, there's both a written and an oral component to that. So the written being Scripture, and the oral is the teaching, the magisterial teaching, the authoritative teaching of the church, the apostolic teaching, the teaching handed down by the apostles and their successors, the bishops, from generation to generation. All of that is considered as part of God's Word, or the Word of God. So there's an oral and a written component. And that's what we believe as Catholics. And what's the Father say? When my son speaks, listen to him. So that's why we obey the teachings of the church. That's why we take the Scripture seriously. Not because we think it's legitimate, because the church said. And God the Father said, listen to my son. And Jesus is the church. We're part of the, his mystical body. When we're baptized, we are incorporated into him. So, you know, when Jesus speaks, it's definitely something we want to listen to. I think this was a, just a cool set of readings. And, and again, I really thank you for spending some time with me today. And really just try, if you can, to think about that. And, and I pray that the, these readings encourage you, this whole idea of the transfiguration and if you are struggling, just try to appreciate what's taking place. You're, you're essentially getting a retelling through the scriptures of what took place on that mountaintop. Something the, the apostles, Peter, James, and John, experienced firsthand in order to boost their spirits. So I would encourage you to let these readings boost your spirits today. And I know it's not easy. Life's not easy. Life as a Christian is not easy. There's challenges. Challenges all over the place. But let these words encourage you today. And don't lose hope. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. You can find some of that peace in this life, but ultimately, your total and lasting peace is going to happen in heaven. Keep moving toward the finish line. Let's do it together. Let's move toward the finish line together. Let's pray for one another as we move forward. Okay, sound like a deal? Hey, we are just about out of time. Thank you again for joining me. If you have questions, Gary at Following the Truth is my email address. 
give, drop me a line if you happen to be listening to the program. Let me know if you enjoy it. Let me know what you like about the show. Um, just let me know where you listen from if you happen to be listening over the air, one of the many Catholic stations that carries the program, or if you listen to the podcast. Just let me know that. Gary at followingthetruth.com is my email address. Also, if you could possibly consider going to followingthetruth.com, my website, and making a financial contribution to help keep me going strong with my full-time ministry, I would greatly appreciate that. Hey, I'm praying for you. Please continue to pray for me. And God willing, I look forward to seeing you next week right here on the program. Have a blessed week. Bye-bye.